Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I wanted to, uh, for just a moment, just say something along the lines of what Jeremiah was talking about. I, I told him, I love when you preach that strong like that, what Jesus took care of us concerning all of our lack in our life. And one of those things that he did take care of us was financial lack. And there are a lot of people who don't like that. They don't like hearing that. They think that that, that skews things and makes things weird and makes people want to be greedy and all that. Because uh, the scripture teaches us that the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's not at all what we preach here, to love money. We preach Jesus. And, and the scriptures teach us about what Jesus did for us. And um, we believe that he forgave all of our sins. We believe that he healed all of our disease. And we believe that he came to give us life and abundance in that life. But there's something that, you know, we've talked about this exchange, but I want to just, just remind you of a scripture. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. And, and maybe tonight, if that's something you've struggled with or thought about, uh, maybe you could just meditate on this uh, tonight and maybe the next few days and just look this, look this out, seek this out. First, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, if you're looking down on the surface and you're one who, who doesn't lean toward that meaning of physical issue but more spiritual riches, if it has to be spiritual, then you would have to say he became spiritually poor in order for you to be spiritually rich. That doesn't conclude very well. So um, he became poor. Now, this is compared to what he had in heaven. Understand that heaven is full of opulence and wealth. They pave their streets with gold. Gold is pavement yeah. in heaven. I mean, you come to earth, you, it's like you just, uh, you know, I don't know, you, you went in the ditch. And compared to that, this is very poor, a very poor circumstance, very poor situation. He left all of his glory for that. But I just want to give you uh, the, the Greek here for the word rich, all right? Something to think about, and then we'll get into tonight. It's the word pluteo, P-L-O-U-T-E-O. And it means to be wealthy, to be increased with goods. To be rich, to have abundance of outward possessions. Wow. Now think about it. He became poor so that you could become rich of outward possessions. So this isn't just a spiritual matter. He wants to bless you in your physical circumstances right now. All right? To be wealthy. to be. But one of the saddest things I, for, for me to see is that the, the church in large has has accepted poverty as some kind of form of godliness. Let me ask you something. Where is most of the trouble in our cities? Is it not in the impoverished neighborhoods? Do you see increase in godliness in areas like that? No. Because poverty is a curse. It's not a blessing. All right? So we have to, we have to wrap our minds around the truth. Grab a hold of the truth of the word of God. And take the full gospel. The gospel is blessed, blessed, blessed. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know what that means? Yeah, I'm blessed spiritually. That means, see, you got to understand, everything, what that's telling us, everything starts in the spirit and manifests in the natural. If you're blessed with every spiritual blessing, my family, that means you're blessed with every physical, natural blessing as well. So what you do is, because that is your position in Christ, you are at the greatest peak of blessing in the spirit, then you can call those things that be not here as though they were because you already have them in the spirit and you access those things by your confession of faith and then you see it manifest in your natural life. 
Amen. God wants you to have the most. He wants you to have Think about it. Why did God put diamonds on the earth? Why did he put precious jewels? Why did he put gold? Why did he put silver on here so that the ungodly could rule the world? Why did he put it here? I just wonder. I just wonder. What if the righteous would take their rightful place? How quickly we could advance the gospel. How quickly we could do more to help the poor, to reach out to others. Because if money's not an issue, that's a really good thing. Because the, the problem is we, we, we've made so many of us, I'm not saying you, I'm saying other people that go to other churches, but uh, you, we make money something that we work for rather than what we work from or that works for us. Because Jesus said, you don't serve it. It's, uh, money makes a better servant than it does a master. Because if you're working for it, then you will be enslaved to it the rest of your life. Yeah. Amen? So God has given you as his people the spirit of God, which is a creative spirit, so that you can have witty inventions and business ideas and create, and create yeah. wealth as a result. To become prominent people in your yeah. communities and that you are sold out to the kingdom of God and his purpose in the earth and you're able to invest that wealth into his purpose, into the kingdom of God and see this gospel go out in greater ways. Yeah. That's just one man's opinion, all right? So I just want to encourage you, go for it, amen? But just understand that God's with you and he's the God of more than enough. He says those things so that we'll believe him. He said, he's saying that if, will somebody believe that he is the more than enough God and not just, Lord, I just want my needs met? All right, if that's you, God bless you. Huh? But he says he's more than enough so that we can see that there's more. There's more for him, that we never get satisfied with where we are. We get content, but not satisfied. All right? Understanding, okay, God, if you're the God of more than enough, that sounds like that's a limitless kind of existence. Amen. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. Now, I've got to stop preaching on that so that we can get into tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, all right? I love you guys very much. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. And remember how we have our Wednesday night set up, that if you have a question during this time, feel free to raise your hand. And uh, I'll do my best to answer your question, but just understand that we're going to put a mic in your hand so that we can record your questions because we have several people that, may, that are listening here tonight that are watching by live stream and listening by podcast who may have the same question that you have. We have a hand up right back here, Miss Ashley. So if we can get a handheld mic, well, I didn't get a sign up mic person. Maddie, you're the mic person tonight. Take that back there to Ashley. Thank you. Sit with me. So my question is actually pertaining to what you were talking about, and I don't want to ask it, but I just kind of, I don't, I have no idea, and I'm sure there's people wondering. There are people that we all know in this room that tithe and love the Lord and still struggle with money day to day to day. Mm -hmm. And so is it a matter of when you fully embrace the doctrine that you're talking about and you're claiming that God is more than enough? Like, what is it? Is it the understanding that really sinks in that God is enough, and then you see breakthrough, or yeah. is it just... Well, I would first, I would first, what I'd want to sit down and talk to a person about who is a faithful tither and not seeing much increase is to ask them, why are you tithing? Because many feel like they have to or they need to. And, and some feel like they, uh, like when they read Malachi that says, you're cursed with a curse, they feel like they're under a curse if they don't. And that, that's really not the right kind of mentality to have. Um, uh, now, under the law, that was the case. 
Under the law, if you didn't tithe, you were cursed. But Abraham tithed way before the law ever came. He came when a, a pronouncement of blessing came over him from the priest Melchizedek. Remember that? He said, blessed are you, Abram of God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And when Abram heard the blessing, he responded by giving 10%. And that was passed down from Isaac and even to Jacob. The same thing. And it was that they just made it a habit in their family to respond to the blessing of God that in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so as a result, it wasn't something God required of them. It was something they responded to God with, uh, from their own accord. So I would say, why are you tithing? Is this, is this a burden to you? I mean, I've been looking at this the wrong way that it's, it's a law or you're going to be cursed. Forget all that. You're, you're tithing today not to get blessed. You're tithing already from a position of blessing because you are blessed. Whole different mentality in the New Testament. So maybe that would help fix some their belief system because wrong believing produces wrong results. All right? Produces wrong thinking and wrong speaking. So you first have to have the, the heart right in believing what God has said and what reality Jesus Christ has brought to us through his shed blood. And, and that's where I would start. I would ask the question. And then... If, if, if they've kind of got that thing going and they're confessing the word of God and thanking God, and then I would say, then continue to do what you're doing because in due season you will reap if you faint not. You know, Heather and I have tithed for years and years and we have gone through dry spells and, and where we've had to say, Lord, you, you, we believe your word and we continue to do this because we love you and we thank you for it and we know your word is true and we're asking you to help us. And, and that's where we've seen breakthroughs from time to time. But we've always lived at a level that we could not have lived on our own income. God has brought us up, and we saw the power of that partnership with God. So, huh? Is that responsible? Some people live at a level beyond their own income, but in an irresponsible manner. Yeah, responsibly, yes, yes. Sometimes somebody at their own job. Uh, that's right. That's right. So, what, what'd yeah, she I would say. say uh, what'd she say? I don't know. Such an example of <laughs> something about being responsible, and when she said that, I just kind of tuned her out, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's my birthday. I don't have to be responsible today. Uh, what so did you say, really? You said living at a level that we couldn't, on our own, do. But living, at, she's uh, yeah, she's trying to explain what I'm saying when I'm saying live, living at a level we couldn't do on our own. <laughs> Da, 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 da. Go ahead, babe. When he says that we were living at a level that we couldn't attain on our own, that doesn't mean we're living on credit. I mean, <laughs> you know, a lot of people live on a level that they can't. Got a lot afford. of $30,000 millionaires. Right. right. What he means by that is we had so much coming into our life that was not our income that we were able to, you know, we, we were given cars. We've had so many things put in our life, but we've had to be responsible yeah. with those as well. We couldn't sure. just go, oh, all this extra's coming into our life. We'll spend like all this extra. You know, you, there's, a, there's a responsibility on yourself yeah. too. That's exactly right. But here's the thing. I, I'm convinced of this and because I, I, there have been times in our life that, we, that I've really put this to the test, and that is to try or to give in such a way that it hurt, like a real sacrificial give, giving. You know, uh, and, and there have been times I've, I've just felt challenged to do that just for my own sake so that I never let money be a hindrance in my life. And I mean, we've stepped out there by ourselves, you know, together and going, okay, 
we're going to do this. We're really going to do this. You know, and just take out the whole savings account and plan it into a ministry or something, you know, and see God do amazing. He has never let us down. It's been extraordinary. And I would say getting out there in that place, that uncomfortable kind of giving, uh, you can never go wrong. That's why I can talk to you about that and, and confidently say you can try to outgive God, but you will not win. You won't win. He will, he will not be mocked. He said, whatever a man sows, he will reap. And if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. If you sow sparingly, then you'll reap, sparing, reap sparingly. Amen. So you cannot go wrong in giving. And that's, that's a good question uh, tonight, Ashley. Thank you for bringing that up. Because, uh, you know, there are times that you're tempted to question along the way. When you're doing what all you know to do and you're not seeing the difference, you're not seeing any breakthrough, you're not seeing a change, you're like, okay, what else do I got to do? Cut my self open and bleed on this money or well, I mean what does it what does it take uh, but I, I'm just saying when you're in that moment that's when you open your mouth and continue to bless the Lord and to thank him and thank him for his promise thank him that he is true he's faithful he never fails us I am fully persuaded that God is able to perform what he promised even though I do not see it in the natural by faith I know it's true You'll never, ever, ever, ever go wrong doing that. Ever. That is the way to, to financial freedom. It really is. The world is grab, get as much, collect as much as you can. A man's value is, is made up of the stuff that he possesses. That's the system of the world. But the system of God is give, 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 and you'll get more, more, more. It goes totally against what we know in this world. Amen. Amen. Yes. Who had a question? Back in the back? Pastor Jonna? So, sowing and reaping is a law of, nat of nature that God instilled, and it will always be here, right? Yes. But then also, we have our words, and our words create our world. Yes. And so, I know sometimes... We can, maybe our actions are like sowing. We can do one thing, but our words can say another. Does one negate the other? And is one more powerful than the other? And um, because sometimes those, I know, you know, our words create our world, and then also we can sow and reap. Mm -hmm. And those systems are both in place. Is one greater than the other? Uh, it's, does that make sense, what yeah. I'm asking? Uh, I wouldn't say one's greater than the other. I'd, I'd say it's just more opportunity. It's just more opportunity. Words are seeds. Huh? Oh, opposing each other? Oh, if they oppose each other. Yeah, I think that, that you, you don't want to work against yourself in that way. Yeah, that's very true. Because your heart, really the heart, the belief behind the action is what really matters. The, the tithing is just a representation of what's in the heart. See what I mean? It, that's why God loves a cheerful giver, one who gives from the purpose of his heart as he purposes in his heart. So that's what God is looking for. Uh, it's not so much the 10%. 10% is just a good rule of thumb. It's, it's, not, it's not a requirement in the New Testament. It is suggested in the New Testament, and it, is, and it talks about that Jesus still receives tithes today over in Hebrews chapter 7. But it's not, it's not a requirement like it was under the law. But it is a good way to live. It, I, I'm just saying it, it's a very good way to live. Uh, and, uh, you know, people, some people say, well, I tithe 30%. You, it's impossible to tithe 30%. Tithe means 10th. <laughs> 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 
You might tithe and then give on top of that. That's, that's fine. It's impossible to tithe 30%. All right? Maybe you give 30% of your, your stuff away. Uh, but whatever. But yeah, so you want to line up your giving your, with, with the confession that the, what God has said about your finances, what he has provided for you. Absolutely. And uh, that's, these are good questions. Very interesting. I did not see this going in this direction tonight. It's good, but these things need to be talked about. Can I give you just one quick testimony? Some of you have heard, I think maybe many of you have heard this testimony, just a practical testimony that Heather and I put it in, into work years and years ago when we were working at a church. And we were we were at that point in our finances where we had more month than money. I know nobody here has ever been there, but you know we, that was our reality there for a while because our kids were taking everything we had. I mean, and, and then they just got older and they just took more. But so, I mean, we were struggling. I mean, we were faithful and giving and, and serving God and all those kinds of things, but we were really just like whew, tight, tight, tight. And uh, so I said, so we just sat down and said, honey, you know what we should do? Let's do a faith tithe. And let's, 500 bucks extra a month would really help us financially. So why don't we just bump our tithe up to 50 bucks like we're making that extra $500 a month already. Let's just do it by faith. And and I'm telling you, it was easy to say it, but writing the check the next time was not that easy. Because that 50 bucks could have gone a long way for us back then. But, you know, sometimes you're writing the the check and the hand's shaking like, "Mm, five, zero. And... And we're just putting it in there, and we're thanking God. And it wasn't that long. Some time went by, maybe just a few months. And, and we, were, we didn't tell anybody about this. We just kept this to ourselves, and we praised God and thanked him for it. My pastor calls me in his office. I was an associate pastor, and he says, Eric, it's, I feel like it's time to give you a raise. I said, praise God. He said, how's $500 extra a month? And I said, that's wonderful. Thank you. And it hadn't dawned on me yet. And I'm like, cool. And as soon as I stepped out in the hallway and God said, there it is, I went, oh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he was watching over his word for me. He saw our faith and said, I'll meet you right there. I mean, exactly what we needed. That's good. He got right in that with us. I love that. So that's what I'm saying. Just, just little things like that. We've seen such blessing in our life uh, from just going into partnership with God, even in sacrificial ways. That's what we've really seen uh, the, the greatest breakthroughs in our life. Never be afraid. Don't never let one ounce of money stand between you and your potential with God. It ain't worth it. I'm telling you. You show him he's everything to you. He says, oh, now we're getting to the place where I can really do something for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Any more before we move on? Nathan. Nathaniel. Um, so... The combination of both faith and patience is what brings us our promise, right, yes. according to Hebrews. Um, so my question is, would a lack of patience completely thwart the promise, or would it just delay it? Uh, um, well, it depends. Um, Ishmael was a lack of patience before Isaac got here. And it didn't necessarily thwart the promise, but it sure did mess things up. Ishmael and Isaac are still fighting today, right? Um, but yeah, patience is just that confident expectation. It's, it's, it's in the realm of faith and hope. It's just that confident waiting. I don't, it doesn't matter how long it takes. I believe God. Patience isn't, oh, I'm just holding on as long as I can until something happens. No, patience is, it's confident rest that the promise is coming. That's what it is. So 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think maybe, I know, I know I've been guilty of this, jumping the gun at times. You know, uh, what does the scripture say uh, in, in Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 12, 11? Ah, oh, come on, Eric. 11. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Let me just back up for a second. Or 10, if we can, 9. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, God raised for they will be saved. For with the heart, verse 10, one believes in the righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11 says, for the scripture says, that's it, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. All right. Now that's a quote actually out of Hebrews. I mean, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah 29, 14, somewhere around there. Is that right? Something like that. Anyway, he, he's quoting Isaiah, but Isaiah says it a little bit different. Isaiah says, uh, whoever believes on him will not act hastily. And Paul says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And they're saying the same thing. Because when you act hastily, that is you jump the gun in your faith, and you try to act just like Abraham did, right? Then, then, then you find that you, <laughs> shame. But he says, whoever believes in him, that is, fully believes him to the end, he'll not be ashamed. God will never let you down. That's what that's saying. So imitate those who through faith and patience. Is that Hebrews 6, 14? Six, no, okay. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Yeah, so, sometimes it can be, we like the immediate thing for sure, right? We'd like everything to be instantaneous right now. I just want to use my faith for like two seconds and then get the answer. But it's a walk of faith. And so sometimes it takes a while. But here's the deal. Faith is the victory. Faith is the sure thing. So would you say that, uh, do you believe that Abraham would have inherited the promise earlier if he had had true patience in his heart? I can't play the what-if game. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not what happened, so I couldn't tell you. I could only speculate, but I don't know. The fact that, but the truth is, he finally did. He did see the promised son. Let me say this on that. God spoke to Abraham for 24 years. 24 years talking about this promise, talking about this promise. And then finally, Abraham got it in his mouth. He said, okay, I need you to help me here, Abraham. I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. Say that. Abraham, you know what that means? Yeah, God, that's crazy. Because Abram was father, and I don't have any kids, but now you're making me call myself father of the world, father of a multitude of nations. Yeah, say that. So Abraham, every time he went around, introduced himself. He said, I'm Abraham. It means father of the world. Well, where are your kids? Well, we, we hadn't started our family yet. Right? Well, but, but look what happened. God spoke for 24 years. Abraham spoke for one year, and Isaac was born a year later. Once he got it in his mouth, what God had in his, that sped things up. It's not enough for God to promise it. You need to say it just like he says it. You come into agreement with him. And then, oh, yeah, now it's going to happen. That's why he needs, that's why it is a partnership. It's communion between him and you, walking together in this life together. It's beautiful. All right, who else? Did you have a question? Oh, you're scratching. All right. We got Lynn Brown back here with another question. This is fantastic. I'm not going to get to my message tonight, so it's all right. I am doing the message. Um, for the church body, does tithing show that we are giving to a living God, 
to the unbeliever? I think it's a testimony across the board. I think it's a testimony across. Let's look at Hebrew. Look, can we turn to Hebrews chapter 7 for a moment? You know, in our, if you look on our website, um, you can see that one of the things that under what we believe is in tithing and giving, but I show no scriptures under the law when it comes to tithing. I purposefully left all that out because it's not even relevant to us. I show where Abraham started it and how that continued through the generations, and then we go over to the New Testament and talk about that way of giving again. We've been blessed with the blessing of Abraham. What, did, what happened when Abraham was blessed? He responded by tithing. And we as the children of Abraham, doesn't it just make sense that we also respond like he did by giving, by tithing, okay? Hebrews chapter 7. Let's turn over there for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 7. This is, this is marvelous tonight. You guys are making my day. It's your gift to me, isn't it? Thank you. Let's just look at verse 1, all right? For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Now, I want you to understand something. Abraham gave this tithe. The children of Israel under the law were required to pay the tithe. The, 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 the Levite priests, they levied this tax, if you will. They were required to pay it. It wasn't a heart response. It was a command to do it. All right? So, but Abraham gave it. Uh, to him, all, verse 2, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. That's the name Melchizedek. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, that is, they had no record of where Melchizedek came from, neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So this, this man who we know very little about, this, this priest named Melchizedek, think about how great he was that the great patriarch Abraham would tithe to him. Interesting. But Melchizedek is a Christ figure because Jesus' priesthood does not come from the Levitical priesthood, from that of the law. It comes from Melchizedek. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That is, he has no beginning of days and no end. Okay? Now consider how great this man was, verse 4, to whom even, I just quoted that, didn't I? To whom even the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. All right? It's a different way, even though they are ultimately children of Abraham because they're sons of Jacob. But yet through this law, it has become a command rather than a heart response. Okay? But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. That is, that priest blessed Abraham, Melchizedek. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. This is a picture, my family. This picture of Melchizedek and Abraham is a picture now of Christ and us. Our high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, and if you are all children of God, you are all sons of Abraham, and if you are sons of Abraham, then you are heirs with God. All right? If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All right? the tithing is a very New Testament principle. It's, it's, it's right here. It's very plain. He's showing us. He's showing us how we relate to that way of tithing rather than the law way of tithing. 
Okay? Verse, verse 8. Here, mortal men receive tithes. But there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. Now, who is that talking about? Who, is, who can that be talking about? There he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. That is talking about none other than Jesus Christ, our high priest. Think about it. As we receive tithes here as mortal men, as Jeremiah comes up here and, and, and encourages everyone in giving, and we pass the buckets and people put their tithe in, this is happening to, amongst mortal people. But there's something else happening in heaven. Jesus, our high priest, is receiving it to himself. When you put that in the offering, but Jesus takes, sees that. He takes it personally. He receives it himself as a gift from you. That's an amazing thing to me, that we can take this natural mammon, this tangible thing called money, and all of a sudden it gets transferred into a spiritual act of worship to him to receive that tithe. That's incredible. But listen to me. But look at the, the, the lingo of it. It says, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Now, this is extraordinary. When you tithe today, it is giving witness, as, as Lynn said, it is giving witness that you serve a living God. It's, you're, you're saying, I believe he's alive, therefore I continue to give to him. Wow. Now, when we do communion... And Jesus, uh, Paul taught us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says that as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. We, we, that is witness to his death. The, the communion is, how is that? Well, you have the bread in one hand and you have the wine or the grape juice in the other hand, right? That is the blood apart from the body is death. All right, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we have it, those two things separated. And, and so in doing that, we are giving witness that Jesus died. But when we tithe, we're giving witness that he's alive. Marvelous thing. There's, there's so much greater and deeper things that happen. Sometimes we don't even realize the power of what we're doing. And that's why we need to know that. That's why you're being taught tonight. Amen. That's why, that's why we tithe. That's why Jesus is keeping records of that. He, he receives that from you when, you when you give that into the house of God. That's marvelous. Mm, amen. So we don't require people here to do it. We don't, you know, I used to be in a church where the, where the pastor told the people they were cursed with a curse and bragged that they had like 95% tithers. I said, yeah, they're all afraid they're going to go to hell. Good for you. <laughs> we believe in giving as you purpose in your heart. Amen. But you will never go wrong doing it, that's for sure. I heard Charles Neiman say something. He said it really strong. We, we love Pastor Charles here. He's come to our church a few times. And he said, he said, for a New Testament believer not to tithe is to say that Jesus has done nothing in their life. I was like, whoa. I don't know if I'd say it that strong, but that's pretty good. To not to give to the kingdom of God is to say that my money is my issue. Everything else I give you, Lord. But it's for me and my money, we're going to stick together. It's quite a thought. Okay, I'm not here to come down on anybody. Like I said, all of you are good in this way, so I'm talking about other people that go to other churches. Anyway, any more questions on that?
Good. Okay. Can we have about five minutes? It's only 8.03. Okay. Just a couple of verses. I, I want to leave you with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to... Now, this is not a Christian singles uh, website, babesinchrist.com. <laughs> it has the dot, it just didn't have the com, okay? And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, I want to read this. We, we looked at this already. It says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called in italics, it says, to be saints. So it actually says called saints. With all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So in chapter 1, he calls these people saints. In chapter 3, he calls them carnal babies. <laughs> well, how can you be both? You can. You can be a carnal saint. Well, look what, look what saint means. It's the word hagios. Everybody say hagios. All right, it, it means sacred, pure, morally blameless or religious, ceremonially consecrated, most holy thing, most holy thing, a saint. So he's talking to saints and he's saying, you're a bunch of carnal babies, you saints. Well, how can that, well, which is it? It's both. It's both. Because you remember where we are a saint? Are we a saint in the flesh? No. Are we a saint in the mind? No. We're a saint in the spirit. Right? A new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. But then the word carnal means pertaining to flesh. Having the nature of flesh under the control of the animal appetites. Governed by mere human nature, not by the Spirit of God. Wow. So it's possible to, possible to be a saint and also to be carnal. You are a saint in the Spirit, but your, your capability for carnality is found in your mind and in your flesh. All right? Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. I mean, if you've been a Christian for 10 minutes, you understand that that's true. Your flesh isn't just out of control. It first has to become a decision that you make to go ahead and do that. Amen. Right? Are we all humans here? We all work the same way? An animal works off instinct. We work off a of choice. That's what separates us. All right? But it's interesting that we can act like animals. <laughs> Because the flesh is more like the animal. It's got the, ah, ah, the appetites and the lust and all those things. And so the, the, it's, it's vying to serve itself and to please itself and to help itself. And, and that's it. So the mind, with the mind, you're either going to serve the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. All right? So you can follow the flesh or follow the Spirit by the choices you make. It's that simple. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I don't know about you, but I'll take life and peace over death any day. Yeah. Amen. Hmm? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. The carnal mind will not be governed by the Spirit. And the Scripture says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments. Hmm? One of the true signs of Christian maturity, one of the true signs that you're growing up in God is that you stop arguing with him. Yeah. Stop justifying doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know when he's speaking to you and you're going, la, 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 la. 
but I think this, but I feel this way. Shut up. Your arguing isn't helping you. Grow up. All right? Grow up. This is part of growing up. We stop arguing. We cast down those arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. All right? The strongholds in the believer's life are found right here between the ears. Hmm? And you can't cast them out, but you can cast them down. You can cast them down. You have the authority to change how you think. Well, I can't help it. That's just how I think. Yes, you can. Change your thinking. You cast that thing down. You have the power to do that. Think, think about the language of it. It doesn't say, all right, do your best to pry that thing out of there and really strive. No, it says cast it down. That's the kind of power that you have, the kind of authority you have. What do, what do we do with demons? We cast them out. They're nothing. They're nothing. To somebody who will exercise their authority in Jesus. A demon's no, no, there is no hope for that devil staying, and there's no hope for that thought becoming a stronghold in your life. How are you going to cast it down? You have to open your mouth and say, no, I'm not going to think like that. I have the mind of Christ, therefore I put on the mind of Christ. I choose to renew my mind so that I can be transformed by the renewing of, of, my, of my mind. I choose not to be conformed to this world or its way of thinking, acting, and believing and doing. I will be governed by the Spirit of God. All right? And when you talk like that, your mind will start changing. You'll change the, those thoughts and cast those things down, not give them an ounce of time in your life. But you have to fight immediately, my family. You can't just let these thoughts just keep mulling over. You have to open your mouth and say, no, you're done. Amen. You win. I'll give you a testimony of that next Wednesday. We'll stop right there. I'm sorry. I did seven minutes instead of, or six minutes instead of five. Please forgive me. All right, I'll give you a minute back next Wednesday. <laughs> Let's stand together tonight. Thank you, guys. for the. Why don't you give yourselves a big hand? That was great tonight. Great discussion. Amen. Yeah, I love this. I, I love that you guys are, are, are involved in this way and asking the questions. This is, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. And I hope this is blessing you and feeding you and encouraging you and teaching you things. And uh, I'm learning lots of things along the way, too. So praise God. Let's lift our hands to the Lord for just a moment. Let's bless his name. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kind. We are here in this place as your body of believers here of One Cause Church to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving us everything, Father, when you gave us Jesus. And Paul said, how will you not with him also freely give us all things? Meaning if you'll give us your son, there's nothing you'll withhold from us. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that you have an open hand to us today as your children. Thank you that you are truly a good, good father. And every good gift and every perfect gift that comes down from above, from the father of lights with whom there is no change, you're always going to be good and you can always be trusted. So we thank you, God, for that. Thank you for blessing us in the way that you have, removing the curse of sin and death from our life, of poverty and lack and sickness and disease. And came, that you came and you gave us life, life to the fullest, God, so that we could have every advantage in this world. As Peter said, he has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Hallelujah. Do you think that we are heavily armed and fully equipped in the person of the Lord Jesus, who is now in us and has become for us wisdom? Thank you for that. Bless your people now, God, as they go from here tonight. Thank you that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. 
Lord, I thank you that they're blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed wherever they go, and everything their hands touch shall prosper. You've called your people up to be the head, not the tail, above only and never beneath. First, not last, victors, never victims. In the name of Jesus. And all of their children, whoever that pertains to here tonight, all of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of their children. Their marriages are at peace, and love reigns in their homes tonight. Love that covers a multitude of sins. Hallelujah. Love that casts out all fear in the name of Jesus. And I think now that when they go home tonight and they settle down, they lay down on their bed, that they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. May the Lord bless you. And keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.